uh, and speak to you guys and share the word with you. Just have a good time uh, with, with Jesus and his spirit and lifting him up. Uh, but I also brought a crew with me today. Uh, I brought uh, my, my family and then some chosen family. And so there's an amazing church here, uh, Winfield Baptist Church from Pennsylvania here with me. And he's making a run for it. <laughs> um, and uh, so they're here. They did an amazing job. Um, they worked in World Relief Chicago. Uh, we did park days with them together. And so it's just been an amazing time. So I want to say thank you again to that amazing church uh, for just joining in, coming to Chicago, uh, loving on a city and a people. Uh, that, are, that are foreign to them, and uh, so we're excited that they are here, and so we get to send them off today and, and pray that they uh, make it home safely and, uh, and that God has utilized them, not just here in the city, but when they go home uh, to impact their families, their schools, where they work, and so that's our prayer uh, for them. So join me in prayer, and then we're going to dive into our, our last dangerous prayer this morning. Father God, uh, we lift you up, we praise you, and we magnify your name. Uh, Lord, we, we've asked these questions that, that, that you are our light and our salvation, and whom shall we fear? Whom shall we be afraid? No one, nothing. Uh, the church has one enemy, and his name is the devil. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so, Father, we pray uh, right now against the forces of darkness. We pray that you have placed this church, these people here uh, at Elmwood Park, at Freedom Hope, at Winfield Baptist, to combat the forces of the enemy. And, Lord God, we pray and stand and declare today that we are taking back what the enemy has stolen. We pray today that you would empower us through your amazing Holy Spirit, that we would be forever changed, forever renewed and restored as we are reconciled to a holy, righteous God. Uh, we pray for, for our church uh, here in Winfield, Lord God, that they would get home safely and that you would, they would carry what they've learned with them this week uh, to impact their church to impact their community in such a profound and deep way. And Lord, I love that uh, a majority of the, the people that came on the trip, the pioneers uh, from Winfield are, are students. Uh, they're, they're teenagers, Lord God. They're here wanting to hear from you. And Lord, you never said that, that there was an age limit or a license that they needed to get in order to do great things for you. And so we ask that you continue to utilize them wherever they are uh, as you have called them to do so. We ask that you, uh, you know, bless this time in your word, bless this time together as a family, as different churches coming together today to, to worship you, to hear from you. Speak to us, O oh God, uh, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So, <clears throat> yeah, sorry, my, my son, may, normally in our church, he just does that. He just makes a beeline for me, and I, I like, towards, towards the end, and uh, we pray together and stuff. So, uh, I apologize, but, uh, <laughs> so we're excited to be here today. So, we're kicking off our, our third dangerous prayer. So, uh, I've been here, what, three times now? It's my third time, and uh, we've walked through two different dangerous prayers. We've, our first dangerous prayer was make me bold. We, we spent time in, in the word asking God to make us bold through the power of his Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we asked God that, you know, that, that we would grow to understand that boldness is not a personality trait, but it is a spiritual gift. Uh, that, that we would understand that you may not know what God can do through one single act of bold obedience. Our, our second dangerous prayer we were there and it was like, Lord, send me just to, to, to allow us to, Lord, your servant is listening to add, to let God know uh, that, that we are here and we want to hear your voice. 
And we looked at how just then a young man, Samuel, uh, there would hear from God, and would, 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 would be able to, to see and experience God in such a profound way. And so uh, I, I want to warn you today that uh, you won't like this prayer. Uh, some of us refuse to pray it, and probably after today we still might refuse to pray it because it is just that dangerous. It's not common. None of our prayers are easy, right? We, when, we, when I was here last week, I asked, or last week, look at me, like, I, like I'm here all the time. When I was here last time, I asked, right, when has God ever given us an assignment that's ever easy? He doesn't. God never says, oh, have this done by lunch. Like, this is not a, that type of God. He, he, he gives us things that, that are going to take time, and he gives us things that are going to have to cultivate and grow. He gives us things that are going to challenge us and stretch us outside of our comfort zone. And this particular prayer doesn't feel good. This particular prayer isn't safe. And this, is, this isn't a thing where, where, where we're praying, God, make my life easy. This is not a, a, a health and wealth version of, of Christianity. This is a prayer that radical, crazy people pray when they want to see God do radical, crazy things. This isn't like the normal prayers of bless me, Lord, keep me safe. Right. Help me have a good day. Like, Lord, I don't want to be an inconvenience today. You know, Lord, please let that person that always texts me at the worst times just keep it to themselves. Right. It's just this isn't Lord, I, I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want any trouble. This isn't this isn't prayers like, oh, God, give me a, you know, a hassle free, zit free day. Like, I've got pictures today or I've got things to do today or I want to make this video or I want to do this. Like, Lord, give me good food. And give me green lights all the way to work. Like that's, right? These, these are not those prayers where we ask for sunny weather and, and especially in Chicago for close parking spaces. I mean, right? These are, a lot of parents in here are like, Lord, please let my kids be well behaved today. God, I know you can do it. You're capable. You're able, right? We, we, we ask. These aren't those types of prayers, right? This is, this is one of the most dangerous prayers. It's uncomfortable. It's, going, it's frustrating. It may make your life a little bit harder and not easier. We have to have the courage to pray this prayer. God, break my heart. Break my heart. Break it. Crush it. Right. Strip me of all comfort, of all ease, of all apathy and allow me to for my heart to break as your heart is breaking. Because so often we get caught up in, in, in the normal normalcy of life to where people are just people. They're not people who, who, who look differently, and they're not people who are hurting. They're not people who need salvation. Like salvation is a rescuing. Jesus went on the greatest rescue mission in the universe. Like he, he's better than Tom Cruise in any and all the 17 different Mission Impossibles. Right. He's just that good. The greatest rescue mission in all of history and all of time was that Jesus went to a cross for a filthy, dirty, rotten people. He did this and he shed his blood for us and they put him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he kicked the tomb wide open and, and rose with all power and says, I want you, the people who shun me, the people who put me on the cross, I want you to be my family. Yeah, yeah, I know you, you betrayed me. I, I know you talked bad about me. I know you spat on me. I, I know you, you don't like my name. You may have cursed my name, but, but I want you to be a part of the family. I want you to sit at the table. 
See, only a God whose heart is broken for his people can do something like that. It makes no sense for, for, for a God who is awesome, who is all-loving, who is truly, honestly good to do something for a people who are, who are riddled in sin. And I want to warn you again that if you pray this dangerous prayer, God will answer it. God will answer your prayer. You'll be burdened like never before. You'll be grieved, right? There's, there's, there, your, your heart will ache over injustice. And, and it's not about joining in a nonprofit. It's not about finding a cause to, to follow, but rather your heart breaks as, as, as you hear accounts from the news, as we see that, that children and, and, and adults are, are losing their lives to senseless violence, to terrible choices, because we live in a world that is full of darkness. And who is our light? Jesus. And what has he called us to be? Light, salt and light to the world. To, to, to preserve and to point to, to guide. He has, he has filled the disciples of Jesus, the, the, the disciples to be a part of what's going on. Every time someone who is a believer leaves uh, the city of Chicago or leaves this town, there's, there's a little less light. And so we pray, God, send the light, send more to help be lights in a very, very dark place. I mean, with this prayer, when God answers it, you may lose some sleep. You may burn with, with, with righteous anger. You may do things that, that, that others don't understand, and you're going to face opposition because of it. Uh, people are who your friends or your family are going to try and come up against you because it doesn't make sense, right? Why would you want to do that? I mean, we, we, we got that when we were moving to Chicago. Why would you go there? Right. Because everyone on the news just hears about the terrible things. Right. It's just they don't report on the cool things that we, our city has or the amazing people that fill our streets. It, it, it's why would you go there? It's not safe. Like, well, I can walk out any street and get hit by any car. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> where I go, city or town, it, it's still a possibility. But, but, but because of what we hear and the perception that we have, we believe that it's unsafe or it's dangerous. Why would you do this? Why would you give your life? Why would you spend it doing this when you could be doing other things? But when God has, breaks your heart over a people, over a place, there is nothing that you can do. You can try and run from it. You can try and, 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 and overlook it. You can try and quiet the spirit of God. But let me tell you, folks, he's going to get your attention. In the same way that, that, that Jonah wanted to flee and to escape and did everything he could to not go to Nineveh, to share the word of God, for them to be restored and redeemed and reconciled to God. The same way that God got a hold of him, he will do with us. We often think that there's no way that God can get my attention, like only if I get a, a neon sign. Like, look through the, the book of Judges and, and see that all of these people asked for signs and God gave them signs. It took Gideon three tries just for him to build up the courage, like, okay, I guess God's with me, right? And even when he went and acted out and, and led the worshipers and praises to the camps of the army, he still was nervous. He still was afraid, but God had to break him and break his heart for his people. And, and Gideon was the only, word, only person in scripture that God ever called a hero. He looked upon him and said, hey, the angel of the Lord called him a hero. Gideon was like, who are you talking to? I'm, I'm, I'm threshing wheat 
in a well because I don't want to be seen. I'm a coward. I know this. But, but God called him into something that he didn't even believe he could become. And that's through God breaking our hearts. See, the thing is that there will be blessed as our heart breaks over something that breaks the heart of God. That's a, a way to be blessed, to understand that, that our, our heart, uh, now in the Hebrew word, in the biblical sense, the heart is not just something that pumps blood. The heart is our personality, our emotion, our will. It is who we are, our being. And so when God is talking about in the scripture that, that let your heart, let, the, let your heart dwell on me, let the meditations of your heart, right, and the words of my mouth be acceptable in, in your sight. There's an understanding that my heart is, is, is dictating and determining who I shall be. And when we are becoming a people who, who our hearts breaks over those who are our neighbors and it breaks over those who are in our schools and it breaks over our friends and it breaks over our parents and it breaks over our kids, our heart is, is breaking. God is shaping and molding and preparing us for something that we could not even imagine or fathom on our own. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament is called the weeping prophet. Because Jeremiah was, was speaking to a people, to Judah, who were rebelling against God. There, were, there was crazy, rampant injustice going on in Judah. They were, they were doing anything and everything they could. They were abusing widows. They were abusing the poor. Uh, they, they were even sacrificing children to false gods. These are the people who God led on dry ground to cross the Red Sea. These are the people who God would provide manna. These are the people that in the book of Numbers where, where they experienced quail mageddon, where God literally brought millions of quail. And I don't know if you know this, but quail don't really fly. They kind of go up and then they just dive bomb down. And so the quail literally had to do like 10 miles of this, boom, boom, for, for, the, for the, all these quail to get from the shore to where the people were, to the camp of Moses, so that they could eat. What God do you know does that? that cares enough to provide a, a, a crazy, enormous amount of, of, of food for you, right? There's an understanding that, that, that our hearts should be broken. These are the people that experience miracle after miracle. They experience great leadership. They experience great love. They experience God operating physically in and around them. They saw and heard the stories and witnessed the things of God's mighty power and his hand moved, and yet they still fell into the lie of false gods. They still allowed their heart to be hardened. We have to be careful. That's why we need these dangerous prayers. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 18 and 21, it says, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. I believe that a lot of us have, I hope that we felt this way recently. Our, our, the last almost two years have been a time of grief. I can't tell you how many students that I've had to counsel who've lost grandparents, brothers, sisters, parents, all in the matter of a month. I had one student lose their brother, their grandfather, and their mom within three weeks. What do you say to that? How do you guide a person that is overwhelmed with grief? 
it, 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 it's, it's more than enough to lose one but to lose pillars in your family, to lose people who, who, who raised you, who, who you're right next to, to have them one day there with you laughing and, and giggling or, or arguing or fussing, and then the next to be gone. It's grief. Like that's what COVID has brought as grief, but, but it's also brought the church away an opportunity to love on people who are experiencing grief because who can comfort like Jesus? No one. Who can bring comfort and peace like the Holy Spirit can? No one. And as Christ followers, we should, should cherish and, and be proud and praise that we have access, that we have been redeemed and restored and saved to a holy, righteous God and brought into a family so that when other people are hurting, we can say we know what it means to hurt, but we know that what it means to hurt with purpose. We know what it means to hurt, and, but, but we know what it has to have a God who comforts us, who wraps his arms around us through his people and through his word and through his presence. And so when we are talking about being caught up and, and breaking my heart. God, break me, use me, crush me so that you can produce something new in me. It's about knowing that God is going to do something in you that's never been done, that he's going to take you places that you never thought you'd ever go, and he's going to put you around people who desperately need to hear the voice of God because, listen, there's nothing special about Dom. There's nothing special about me that, that puts me here. The only thing that puts me here is a calling from a righteous God and me being willing and faithful to the best of my ability to pursue everything that he's put in my path. There's nothing special. I have no unique skill. I mean, I'm not that pretty. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just a thing. I, I don't have the things and all the things that the world would, would classify as, as being really cool or, or being all, you know, fantastic or people should come and see. The, no, no, no. It's nothing special about me. I want to tell people about a God who's broken my heart for them. And so when we walk alongside of people, that's why they know that you and I can be the hands and feet of Jesus in the everydayness of our lives. Why? Because we are walking with hurting people. Jeremiah knew what to do, right? He preached fiery sermons. I mean, he prayed, he fasted. Um, and at some points, he even threatened. I mean, I don't encourage it, but he did it. I mean, <laughs> by the power of the Lord, he did it. Right. Uh, But his grief was unbearable. His heart was broken. And we have to ask, do we want that? Honestly, ask yourself, do I want God to break my heart? Is is that going to be my prayer? God, break my heart. We're not asking God for, for a spiritual hobby. We're not asking God for an interest. We're not asking God for a, a little project to take on. Right. We are asking God to break our hearts for where we are. We are asking God to, to break our hearts for Elmwood Park in such a way that, 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 that this church becomes known for its love. It becomes known for, uh, as a hospital for people who are hurting, for people who lack purpose, for people who, who lack an understanding of not just the word, but lack an understanding of who Jesus is. It becomes known as, well, well if you need help, you need to go to Elmwood. Right. If you if you need someone to pray with you, you need to you need to 
meet them. You need to, to come and, and, and see them and let them pray with you. Well, I'm not dressed the best and I don't smell the best and, and I don't look my best. That's, that's okay. They'll, they'll take you just as you are because that's what Jesus did for them. And that's what Jesus did for me. And when we're part of this church and we're part of any church as a local body of Jesus, that's what we do. It's not about preferences. We are there to receive the people as Jesus have. Jesus dealt with prostitutes and Pharisees and zealots and, and thieves and tax collectors and lawbreakers and, and, and murderers. Like he dealt with the worst people that we would say that we put them in jail. We don't want anything to do with them. But God takes the people who are extremely far from him and he utilizes them to impact the world. Your Bible was written by a former murderer. Majority of the books in the Bible were written by people. Moses killed a man. Paul helped kill, kill people, held the coats of people as they, as they martyred uh, uh, Stephen. We see people who have blood on their hands. And when they come before a holy, righteous God, he washes them with his blood. His blood cleanses them. And they no longer have to deal with guilt and shame. They are redeemed and restored because God's heart breaks over his creation. If Jesus takes care of, of the birds, if he takes care of the grass, how much more will he take care of you? So when we pray this dangerous prayer, God, break my heart. And you may think, well, God, you might do something that I don't, I don't want you to do. You may take me to a place that I really don't want to go. God, you may take me to a people that speak a different language, that, that eat different foods, and I don't think my stomach was built for this, right? You, you, may, you may think, God, you're going to take me to a place and a people that may want to end my life as soon as I'm willing to give it. And God says, that's what I want. I'm going to take you where I want you to be, but I need you to be willing. I need you to be willing. Because it's not always about being ready. God, I'm ready, right? I, what, what do we do when we get home? We, before we go somewhere, we get ready. We got to get ourselves ready, right? We want to get our hair right. I mean, I, sh I shaved my beard, you know. I trimmed up and stuff for you guys, you know. I wanted to make sure, you know, like, there's a wolf man on stage right there. I didn't want you to, <laughs> like, oh, my goodness, right? There, there, we get ready. But God says, I don't need you to get ready. I need you to be willing. Because when you're willing, it doesn't matter when or where. Just be willing. God, break my heart, right? Some people would say, oh, well, we don't like seeing homeless people on the street, so I always carry loose cash, and that's good. Or maybe I don't like, you know, hearing or seeing animals suffer, and so, you know, we rescued this cute little stray, and that's awesome. But, but we're talking about more than that. We're talking about what's, the, what's God calling you to do as he's broken your heart over people? Is he calling you to, to, to keep bags of not just hygiene things, but information in your car. Like, hey, have a conversation. You're at the light. Let, let, you know, let them know, hey, listen, I don't know where you're at right now. Or maybe, hey, can I pray for you? I've got loose cash too, and I've got change, and i got stuff for you, but can I pray with you? There, there's, a, there's a place right down here, down the road, 
If you go to, they'll help, right? It's about being aware of what's available in your community because so many people uh, don't know what's what's available to them. They don't know what what, what is access accessible to them. And as a people who say, God, our heart is broken, we have a gut-wrenching burden for the people of Elmwood Park, that that, that it, it consumes our thoughts, that it doesn't let up, that the people where we work, live, play, study, and shop are the people that we want to minister to, are the people that we want to love, are the people that we want to see come to know you, that it eats at you and it gnaws at you, that we have no choice but to act. That's a breaking. That's a heart that breaks for its people. It's opposite of everything that culture has programmed you to want. It's the opposite of of the softer, feel-good version of, of, of Western Christianity. It's, it's, it's not your best life now. It's not the abundance and, and the Lord's favor, time to increase or accelerate and all these things. This is a breaking. This is real deal Christianity. This is what actually the Bible talks about. This is what we're talking about when we say we have a calling. That means there's been a breaking. Because the, the question I want to ask us today is this. What if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? What if God's greatest blessings in your life came through his greatest breakings of your heart? What if God breaks your heart for what breaks his and he blesses you with a holy hurt, a divine uh, 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 touch that, 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 that knows, man, I've got to do something. He blesses you with a burden because comfort never once moved me to action. Being in my pajamas never once have I been like, I'm going to go run a marathon right now. No, not once. Comfort does not drive us to action. Right? Pain-free days never made me more like Christ. But here's the beautiful thing that I want to share with you is this. And I heard this from a, a pastor just a few weeks ago um, as we were talking, and, and it really blessed my soul. He, and he reminded me of this, that God never wastes our pain. Y'all, that took me. I, I began to weep because God never wastes my pain. I may waste my pain. We may waste our pain, but God never wastes it. It's a resource that God uses to allow our hearts to be broken. It's a resource that God uses for us to push and, pro- and proclaim the Great Commission. You really want to go out to all the nations, to all the different ethnicities, and tell them about who Jesus is and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and know that Jesus is with you always, even to the end of the age, there's got to be some pain. There's got to be a breaking. Break my heart. It snaps us out of a self-centered pursuit of ease. Right? We have something to do. We, we We are compelled Right. Moses, he was a young, uh, young Hebrew boy. And he watches watch Egypt kind of beat people into slavery. He's heartbroken. He's heartbroken over over the mistreatment and oppression held as slaves. And so he kills the guard. And he runs. 
And then for years, he's 40 years, he's out there in the desert, 40 years, and they're, they're out there, he's being a shepherd, he's going to, to, to get connected with people, and, and he stands before Pharaoh, and he tells God, God, I, I, I'm terrible at speaking. God says, I don't need you, I don't need your voice, I need you to be willing. So God, he goes before Pharaoh, the most powerful person, most likely in the world at that time, and he goes before him, he says, God told me to tell you to let his people go. There's got to be a breaking. David was, was about 12 years old when the nation was at war with, Philist, with the Philistines. And, and David, his, his dad says, hey, look, listen, take these snacks to the front line. Now, I will tell you what I do at home. So Magnus has a little Bible, right? And the story of David. And I love it because Tiff always looks at me like I'm funny because I said, no, we're going to tell it to him the way the Bible tells it to him. And so the, the, the little kid Bible says, just says he's a Philistine. I said, no, you tell him he's an uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> It was in the Bible. Like you tell him, tell him what, you know, how big he was, tell him all these things. And so when we walk through like kid Bibles with him, I tell him the truth. I'm like, listen, man, I'm trying to get you jump started on, on, on what the Bible says. I don't want you to be misinformed because sometimes we like, to, we like to leave things out. And so I like to tell him like, hey, this is the story of David and Goliath. And so we, we sit there together and I unpack this cool story of like David was this little kid and his dad was like, bring snacks to the line, go take these to your brothers. And he goes and he says, who is this dude? Who is this guy? Yeah, he stands tall. Yeah, the, the tip of his spear weighs more than most people's heads. Like, yeah, he's huge. He, he's massive. But, but who is he to come up against our God? You had a whole nation of people, a whole army. These dudes were warriors. They're there for battle. They're there for their, to, for their swords to, to slay against others. They're there to go to war. And David, this 12-year-old kid, believes more in God and what he's capable of than a whole army does. And that includes the king. The king was so impressed and pleased. Well, would you put on my armor? No, 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 I got it. I don't need it. Right? So David goes in and the battle stands still as David goes and collects his stones and he slings the stone and hits Goliath there and he tumbles over and he takes his head, he cleans it from his body and he hoists it up to say this is a declaration of what the power of God can do. That no nine foot Philistine dude can come up against my God. Your heart has to break. Nehemiah was, was in the king's house. He had never been to Jerusalem. He had never seen the place. But he hears news of, tragic news of his home and that the walls are down and defeated. And in the city, if the walls were destroyed, then the city had no dignity, had no security. It was like evil could just run in and out as much as it pleased. And so he breaks down before the king, he cries, he prays, and at risk of his own life, he asks the king to help. And the king gives him more than enough to, to, to go to a city that he's never been, to minister to a people that really he's never really truly been around. Yes, he's a Jew, but, but at the same time, he's like, I've never been there. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what to expect. And he, he, he allies with the families because his heart is broken over his people. And they rebuild the walls of their city in 52 days. I love Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible because they were, had a hammer in one hand and a spear in the other. They were ready to work and build the walls, but at the same time, they were ready to defend their home. You see, we have to be willing to pray it. Like, we have to be willing to dare one another to pray this crazy, dangerous prayer. God, break my heart. Shake me out of my continual pursuit of comfort. 
stir me with a divine burden that I cannot ignore. And so when you get ready to, to pray it, God, break my heart, get ready for ache. Get ready to, to ache for children who, who can't read. Get ready to ache over, over people who are being trafficked. Get ready to ache over racial injustice. Get ready to, to ache over people needing clean water or, or they're in financial bondage or a child in your neighborhood that doesn't come from a loving home or people who struggle with mental illness. Get ready to, to, to ache for people who are trapped in their addictions, marriages uh, that, that, that need to heal, teenagers who are cutting and self-harm, the people who are depressed, people who are addicted to, to pornography or drugs or whatever it is, people who are in need of a God who brings not just comfort, but salvation, rescue from our own minds, from our own hurts, from our own hands. Thank God for a broken heart. Most people think it's easier not to care. I'd rather not know what's going on because then I'm not held responsible right? Uh, but, 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 and it's better not to get involved. But I want to challenge you and say that it's better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. In Romans 9, 1 through 3, Paul writes, he says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. He says, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. For what? For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. He said, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul is helping people to understand that he would rather take on all the burden. He would rather take on everything that they feel and all their hurts. To be cut off from Christ. So that they may be free from grief. And so when we're asking God, God, break my heart, you may just hurt. You may hurt alone. You, you, might, you might feel like you're miserable. You might feel like you're, you, the, the, that you get, you know, uh, your heart is just aching over everything you read and the people that you see, the ones that we've yet to meet. And that's Okay. I think that we need to begin as a church to grieve for those who are far from God. People who are looking for life with much more meaning. Right? We, we need to, to, to burn with anger over people, the people who believe lies or the evil one has enslaved them to their sin. Right? Because the church has one enemy, the devil. Not the person that voted differently than you. Not the person who lives differently than you, or expresses themselves differently than you, or looks differently than you, talks differently than you, right? The, the church has one common enemy. Because Ephesians 6 tells us what? That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and spiritual forces of darkness, the prince of the power of the air. We wrestle against him. And here's the cool part, guys. This is why we praise the Lord, because victory has already been had. You fight battles and knowing that the war is already won. 
And so you and I have to choose to believe that our God is victorious. And if we are, he is overcomers, and guess what? We are overcomers. You see, we, we love to talk about and ask ourselves, who should we be afraid? We have to remind one another that the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper because you are more than a conqueror in him who is Christ Jesus. We have to remind ourselves who he is and who he's called us to be and that the promises of God are potent and powerful and active and that his word is active and living and we have to utilize it to defend and protect who he is and protect people who are dying and going to hell. If we love like we say we love and we want to be known for Christ-like love, then we have to love people and, and understanding that like we love them and we don't want to spend eternity without them. So when your heart starts to break and you start to love people like that, that's what you'll be known for. That's how your friends and your family will know you. They'll know you by your love. Because it's not something that you conjure up. It's not something that you have to prep and get ready. The love of God is, is the Lord himself. He is the source. Like, I, one of my favorite books is The Knowledge of the Holy by uh, A.W. Tozer. And, and one of the things I, the introduction into this book alone, you could spend like two hours on or more. But he breaks down and understands, yeah, these are attributes. Because in our human understanding, that's the only thing we could build to talk about who God is, is that we ascribe something to him. But, 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 but he goes on to say, even in the intro, that these are not attributes. These, this is who he is. And so we say, oh, well, God is loving. No, no, he is love. God is gracious. He is grace. Oh, God is just. No, he is just. He is justice. Truth and justice flow like a river from his throne. That's what the Bible says. He is just. So these are not things that we try that we attribute to other people and say, oh, they're so kind. Oh, they, they, they really love me, right? They took me in. They're compassionate. No, Jesus is the, he are, is these things. That's who he is. And, and, and so from his throne and from who he is, it overflows out of his presence. And we get to experience it. When we ask God to break our hearts, we need to be grateful for the pain. Because every day, we're driven to do something that's eternal, that matters. And so our hearts should be broken by something that breaks the heart of God. So when we pray this dangerous prayer, we should know that it's better to hurt with a purpose. So here's our, our, what we want to do, our soul touch is this. Our next step, we want to begin to pray when, this when we wake up. Lord, break my heart for, and you fill in the blank. Now remember, this is a dangerous prayer. and God is going to answer your prayer. And when we pray this prayer, here's what happens. We begin to act. We do something, right? We jump out of our comfort zone because we know that the pain that we feel and the, heart, the hurt that we have, that holy hurt that's God, that God has blessed us with. Remember, this is not a curse. This is a blessing, to hurt for people who don't even know that you're hurting for them. To hurt for people who believe that no one loves them. Guys, I've, I've looked into too many people's eyes to, and, and had so many conversations. Too many. They were talking to people. They don't know what love is. They've never truly been loved. They don't know and fully understand what it means to have the love of a family, let alone the love of Jesus. And we shouldn't just end the conversation and walk away and say bye and let their problems be their own. No, no, no. That, that we, we need to engage and invest. 
So that's our prayer. And that's what I want to challenge us this week. For the rest of our lives, God, break our hearts. That's the beauty of the gospel, is that Jesus did this, right? Adam and Eve sinned and allowed sin to enter into the world. God's heart broke over his creation. What did he do? He set a divine plan in motion to send the son, to become the spotless lamb, the greatest sacrifice for us. And he took on our sin, the beatings, the bruisings, to the point where he was unrecognizable, a crown of thorns pushed into his head, nailed to a cross. This is painful. Like the Romans and others created words to, to help describe the pain one feels on the cross. And before he hung his head and died, he said, it is finished. But Jesus, you hadn't rose from the grave yet. What was done? I took on your sin. I, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to take on your pain. I'm going to take on your hurt. I'm going to give you identity. I'm going to bless you with purpose. I'm going to bring you along into a family that you've never, ever known, that will span throughout time and space, that you will spend eternity with one another. That's what he's done. And so the resurrection, that, that, that act that he, that he did, the power that he wields and shares with us is a beautiful thing. And so the gospel is not something to be taken lightly, but it's, it's a gift to be shared. It's a hurt to carry. It's a burden to be blessed with and to know that the people that, where you work, live, play, study, and shop who are hurting and in need of a savior, you know him. Make an introduction. The same way as if the person standing next to you, have you met King Jesus? Have you met the one who's come to take away your pain? Right, have you met him? So as our heart breaks, as we receive the gospel, we've got to do something. We've got to leap outside of our comfort zone and experience God move in a mighty, mighty way. So if you don't know Jesus today, you're saying, I want to know the God who removes my, my shame, who removes my guilt. I want to know the God whose heart breaks over me. This is your moment. Maybe you're a disciple of Jesus, you've known Jesus, maybe you've been walking for Jesus for a long time and you, you probably never prayed this prayer before. Um, it's never too late for God to break your heart because wherever you are right now, God can still use you. Every, every breath we breathe is a gift and it's meant to be used for eternity. So asking God, how can you break my heart for my family, for my neighbors, what do I have in my, in my house? What skills, what things can I do to show the love of Jesus in the everydayness of my life? God, how can I do it? Show me, put me where you want me to be and watch God use you in such a really profound and impactful way. You may not think what you're doing is important. You may not think that your impact is great, but that's, that's okay. Are you willing for God to use you? Because you never know what God can do through one single act of bold obedience. Let's pray together. Father God, you are awesome. You are mighty to save. You, you are the God 
who welcomes hurting people, regardless of where they're at, regardless of what, what, what their age, where they come from, what nationality they represent, who they believe they were before, what philosophies they bring, you welcome them and you tell them that you can take on their pain, that you can remove the shame, the guilt, the, 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 the worry, God, that you can bear those burdens. And so, Father, we ask that as people who are disciples, the people who, are, who know you, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. It's not just a song lyric. It's not just something cool that we want to put on a, 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 a wallpaper or, or a sticker we put on our car, but, but let it be the anthem of our heart. Let it be a part of our life. Let it be our lifestyle that our heart breaks for people. That you would crush it, use it to produce something that's divine, that's supernatural, that allows people to be pointed to you and for their lives to be utterly transformed. We praise you for the gospel. We praise you for those who have not yet come to know you, uh, for the time where we will get to celebrate as the heavens do uh, when, when one person comes to faith. So Lord, we pray for those who are far from you. Maybe they're here watching right now online or they're present. Maybe they'll watch this later on. Who knows, God, however, however you're going to use this time of worship in the word. But God, we ask that they would come to know you and that we would celebrate the amazing gift of seeing a new person come into the family of God, to walk into the kingdom of light as the father of lights and the son and the spirit allow us to spend eternity with one another. So Lord God, we praise you for all of these things. And we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you continue to do a mighty work here at Elmwood Park, that you would do a mighty work at Winfield Baptist, that you would do a mighty work through Freedom Hope and, and through other churches around the world whose heart breaks for your people. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Donna.